welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 63. Today, I'll be talking about the murder of Kimberly O'Neill. My sources for today's episode are sandygotribune.com, lamag.com, latimes.com, orlandocentennial.com, mcall.com, and leatherneck.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Kimberly O'Neill was just 39 years old at the time of her death. She had been married to Gunny Sergeant Greg O'Neill. They lived on base for about 15 years. Together, they lived with their young son and Kimberly's brother Raymond on base at Camp Pendleton in San Diego County, California. Camp Pendleton is home to about 20,000 military personnel. Kimberly was described as a great mom. Even neighborhood kids called her mom, and she acted as a second mom to her brother Raymond. Raymond also looked up to Greg and wanted to have a military career of his own someday. Kimberly worked for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security as an immigration examiner and bought and sold cars for extra money. During one of these sales, Kimberly and Greg met another military couple named Archie and Monique O'Neill, no relation. Greg and Kimberly's last name was spelled with an A and Archie and Monique's was with an I. Archie and Monique also lived on base with their daughter. The two couples became fast friends. About a month later, an attraction grew between Kimberly and Archie. They both were very strong-minded, and they confided in each other. Kimberly told him that she believed Greg had cheated on her in the past, and no matter how much they wanted to be together, they had to fight their urges. It didn't stop them from communicating or stop others from noticing their growing relationship. Two months after they met, they became infatuated with each other, but still nothing physical happened. By November 2002, Greg became suspicious. Raymond said he noticed a strain in the marriage and tried to eavesdrop on their conversations. In 2003, Archie and Kimberly had their first kiss. They would often meet to have a rendezvous in their cars. Archie soon became, soon began to have doubts. He knew that he would lose his career, also as a gunny sergeant. In the Marines, anyone caught having an affair could get demoted or lose their ranking. Archie didn't want that to happen. On January 4, 2003, Archie and Kimberly met up. Archie told Kimberly that he and Greg were being deployed to Iraq as part of Bush's Operation of Iraqi Freedom. Archie and Greg both left on January 6th. While the men were gone, Kimberly and Monique bonded. Greg maintained regular contact with Kimberly and Archie with Monique. Kimberly tried to contact Archie, but she hadn't heard from him at all while he was gone. In Iraq, due to his age and maturity, Archie was tasked with handling tools like a bulldozer. He was to bury thousands of Iraqi soldiers, and it took a toll on him. He had been to Iraq before, too, back when it was really bad. Greg and Archie returned home in July 2003. Greg took a part-time job working with Monique at a recreation center. This caused even more of a strain between him and Kimberly. Kimberly accused Greg of cheating on her with Monique. Finally, after six months, Kimberly and Archie spoke for the first time. Kimberly shared her suspicions with Archie, and the two confronted their spouses about their suspicions. Both obviously denied it, and Kimberly made Greg quit the job at the rec center. She found out that Greg had been over there, and, woo, woo, woo. I was, and she, she was devastated because they were supposed to be friends. Kimberly did continue her affair with Archie. Archie, you came back from Iraq. You know, like, you could totally tell this dude was, like, someone there. In September 2003, Kimberly's sister June came to visit her. Kimberly told her that she was sure that Archie was going to leave Monique for her. They even went to a psychic. 
but the psychic told Kimberly that she was surrounded by snakes and that she needed to leave. Kimberly became obsessed with Archie once again. She would spy on him and call him to make sure he felt the same way. It didn't seem like he was going to leave Monique and their daughter. In February 2004, Kimberly wanted Monique out of the way. Kimberly tried to run Monique over with her car. On February 29, 2004, Archie contacted Kimberly and said he wanted to talk. They met in Deer Park on the base. It's like a little secluded area for Camp Pendleton. I just, I never went to Deer Park. It's believed that Archie had told Kimberly that it was over and that he would be going back to Iraq. Kimberly, being a firecracker, was not about to let Archie get away with dismissing her. Kimberly begged him not to go. Around 10 p.m., the guards on duty heard gunshots. Military police arrived and found the body of Kimberly O'Neill. She had been shot multiple times. When I heard my sister was murdered, I just busted out crying. And I was just like, I was mad as hell. And I, like, I grabbed something and I like threw it. At the time, it was real tough. Because I was like, she got shot. Like, who was shooting my sister? It was like somebody was trying to punch at me. Somebody stood me. Special Agent Gregory Reed with NCIS called Greg in for an interview. Greg had been the one who reported his wife missing. Greg told S.A. Reed that he had been home all night with their daughter. Greg was asked about his relationship with Kimberly. He said they had been having issues but were working through it. S.A. Reed asked Greg when they had last had sex. The lab was able to tell the police that Kimberly had sex right before she died. During the interview, witnesses told the police that they had seen Kimberly with a muscular black male named Archie, who was also a Marine. Greg was able to tell the police that it was Archie O'Neill. S.A. Reed went to speak with Archie's wife, Monique, who said that Archie was halfway to Iraq by now. Monique also told him that Kimberly had tried to run her over just a couple days earlier. In March 2004, S.A. Reed flew to Kuwait, which was a stop on the way to Iraq, to interview Archie. She's a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. Now, I'm a Marine, and we're taught not to show emotion, especially in the middle of a war. Archie was informed about Kimberly's death, but he showed very little emotion. He was also confronted about their affair. Archie did confess to seeing Kimberly the day she died. He said they had sex, and he went home to take a bath because he felt dirty. The next day, Archie showed up late for a follow-up interview. Archie confessed that he had broken up with Kimberly that night. He said he was having headaches. He went to the bathroom, and when he came back, Kimberly threatened to kill his wife and son. He then shot her and ran into the woods when he heard a car coming. Archie was asked about the gun he used, an HK-45. He said he stored the weapon in his bag and took it with him to Kuwait. Archie O'Neill was charged with premeditated first-degree murder. In the military, a conviction means either a life sentence or the death penalty. Archie's defense claimed that he suffered from PTSD. Experts also testified that Archie preserved all threats the same way as he did when Kimberly threatened his family. Archie was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Raymond joined the army and said he misses his sister so much. This case is so sad. While I do believe Archie probably was suffering from PTSD, it doesn't give him the right to kill Kimberly. I don't think Kimberly threatened to kill his family, but maybe she did yell at Archie, who was suffering from headaches and saw her as an enemy. Kimberly died a horrific death at the hands of someone she loved and thought loved her as well. My book recommendation is With Friends Like These by Jennifer Lynn Alvarez. Summary. Here the surf is deadly, the fog is murky, and the people are hiding dangerous secrets. Mistake number one. Fun-loving Jake tells his girlfriend Jessica that they have to go to Tegan's end-of-year summer party in their tiny California beach town. 
Jessica doesn't like parties, and she doesn't like Tegan, who has an obvious obsessive crush on Jake, but she agrees to go to make Jake happy. Mistake number two, something awful happens at the party, something so embarrassing that Jessica doesn't know if she can ever get over it, and Jake will do whatever it takes to earn her forgiveness. And now a girl is missing, everyone is a suspect, and Jake seems to have a lot to hide. When a body is discovered at the beach, friends start turning on friends, and lies start piling up on lies. What happened could destroy their lives. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Mistake number three. This book was very interesting. A girl goes missing, another one has a massive crush on another girl's boyfriend, and the boyfriend is hiding secrets. I give this book a 7 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think about this week's case. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, leave me a 5-star rating and review, and I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere.